guys to lead us into our, our message for today. So if you have those papers with you, just follow along here. And we're talking about um, Nicodemus, the man who came and saw Jesus by night. So, John 3.1. Are you going to heaven? You must be born again. What does that mean? We're going to find that out today. John 3.1. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. And said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. Thank you, Jacob, for leading the music, and once again, Miss Alice, for that beautiful music, and for everybody who is singing today. It's wonderful to always sing songs to Jesus as a way to get the services started. As um, Jacob was just reading, today's message is going to center on, are you going to heaven? And the passage is from John chapter 3, where Jesus discusses this very topic with Nicodemus. And at the end of that conversation, Jesus said to Nicodemus, he must be born again. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for another beautiful day. It's just a wonderful day outside, and it's another day of life where we can talk to you and learn more about your word. And Jesus, we do thank you for the cross. Father, for sending your son. You, you did so love the world that you sent your son. And Father, that your Holy Spirit would be with us today, and that you would guide my tongue, that I would not say anything that would be misleading, and that you would open the ears spiritually of all of us in this room, and that your Holy Spirit would just take away any darkness that would try to steal your word today. And Jesus, we just want to say thank you, God. We love you. Amen. So as Jacob was reading, Jesus was having a conversation with a, name named, a man named Nicodemus. And in verse 1 of John chapter 3, it says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, and he was a ruler of the Jews. And if we do a little bit of a Bible character study on Nicodemus, we see that he was a man, he was a ruler, he was a Pharisee, and he was also a member of the Sanhedrin. The Sanhedrin had 70 men in it, plus the high priest. And they were the ruling body of the Jewish nation. Now at this time, the Jews were under servitude to, to the Roman government because Rome was basically ruling all of that part of the world, but the Sanhedrin had its start all the way back 1,500 years before when Moses selected 70 elders from the nation of Israel. And here we see that Nicodemus, he's coming to Jesus because he recognizes Jesus as a great teacher. And Nicodemus says in, in verse 2, the same came to Jesus by night. And said unto him, Rabbi, we know thou art a teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest, 
except God be with him. Now, why did Nicodemus come at night? It seems like he came because he had a fear of what other people might think if they saw him. You know, many times in our lives, we become a little bit of embarrassed in situations that we're in. But certainly when it comes to Jesus, we should never be embarrassed to share the gospel with whomever might be seeking or whoever God puts us in the path with. Now, some of the things about Nicodemus, adding to that, he was the one who stood up for Christ at Jesus' crucifixion day when in the Jewish uh, law, they could not have a trial before sunrise. And as we know from reading the scriptures, Jesus was tried seven times on that day and found innocent, by the way, in each one of those seven trials. But the first trials were before sunlight, and that was against the law. And they were not less necessarily giving Jesus the opportunity to speak. And Nicodemus stood up for him and said, isn't, isn't it our law to let the, the ones who were accused speak? And then we see later where Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea, they take Jesus' body. They got permission from Pilate. So we see Nicodemus here, he's searching. He knows he has to have the answers that are tugging at his heart and his soul and in his mind. And he's, these are spiritual issues he's dealing with. And we see as the, as the Gospels progress that he's actually serving Christ. And it seems like all of us Christians will see Nicodemus one day in heaven. It doesn't specifically say that Nicodemus was saved, but the Bible does say we, you will know them by their fruits. And by him going with Joseph of Arimathea and taking Jesus to embalm his body, they were putting themselves at risk, especially somebody in his position. And at this point, he's saying, I don't care about the things of the world anymore. I'm focusing on serving you, God. So let's look at verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we see in this one, Jesus is talking about visual. He's saying you cannot see the kingdom unless you're born again. And really, anybody who's not saved, they do not have discernment, spiritual discernment. They cannot see into the spiritual realm until they're born again. And Jesus is saying this, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Anytime any of us become born again, we are in the kingdom. We have a spiritual rebirth. And from that point on, we have spiritual discernment. We might be a babe in Christ, just learning the word, but we're on our walk with the Lord, which will eventually lead into heaven with him. Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? This is a good question. It's a little bit of a, maybe he was like pushing Jesus a little bit because everybody knows you can't go back into your mama's womb and be born again. But he's saying the question, how can a man be born when he's old? Because Jesus said you have to be born again. So that's a logical question. How can you be born when you're old? And look what Jesus' answer is in verse 5. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water, the natural birth, and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So Jesus is telling him here, you have to be born physically of the water, 
and spiritually, and you cannot enter into the kingdom. So the first time he's saying you cannot even you can't see it spiritually, but here he's saying physically you cannot go into heaven without having a second birth. And we've discussed this before. If you're born once, you die twice. Physical death, and then at the great white throne where you cast into the lake of fire. But if you're born twice, your, your physical birth and then your spiritual birth, you only die once physically, and then to be absent from the body, your soul is present with the Lord. You will never have a second death if you're born again. Because your home, your eternal destiny, we're just pilgrims here walking through the earth, is in heaven with God. Verse 6. Here Jesus is saying, That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. There are two distinct realms. Flesh is carnal. Flesh is darkness. Flesh is worldly. Flesh is death. Every one of us in this room is getting older every day. And we all have an appointment on God's calendar with death. But Jesus is saying here, that which is born of the spirit is spirit. It's totally in the spirit world. And only God gives life. All things that pertain unto life and godliness are from God. We know that from the scriptures. And so that means also that a second birth to be born again in the spirit realm can only come from God. From the power of his resurrection, proving he's God, and because he's holy, and he can give us a rebirth, a second life. We, we become regenerated. Not, and it, verse 7 says, Marvel not that I said unto thee, you must be, go, be, be born again. We don't need to marvel about this. This isn't something that's so grandiz, grandoise in the scale of things that we cannot, you know, climb that mountain. Jesus is saying, no, marvel not. If we have faith as a little child, we can enter into the kingdom. And Jesus has given us all of the things that pertain unto life and godliness. He has given us the gospel message. If you look at the rest of the, um, the message from today, the handout, there's going to be a number of points that we're going to go through that walk you through. If, if there's somebody in this room who's not saved, or perhaps... You want to share the gospel with your family, with your loved ones or, or friends. This is kind of a systematic way to look at, are you born again? Now, I don't want to mislead you because it's not something that we do in the flesh in our own power and our own strength. It's not like somebody building a building where they have an architectural drawing and they follow the footprint. Or even if we're making a recipe, you know, chocolate chip cookies or, or your favorite cake, you follow certain steps. And certainly... We do look at different points of God's scripture, but salvation is all on God. It's not nothing that we do that, that brings our, or earns our own salvation. It's always on God. He does it all. The work was completed 2,000 years ago on the cross when he said, it is finished. But we can also look at what God's word says. God's word is full of gems and jewels of richness and pearls and gold and diamonds and we can read those scriptures every scripture in the bible has one meaning and it's up to us to glean what that meaning is and then to apply it in our life so we're going to look at a couple of points the, the first point is we are all sinners the second point is the punishment for our sin is death 
The third point is Christ died to save sinners. The fourth point will be Christ will save us if we call. And the fifth point at the bottom of page two is true salvation involves grace of repentance from God. And then the last point would be the time for salvation is now, today. If you're not saved, today is your day of salvation. Okay, so let's look at the first point here. We are all sinners. And these are just certain verses that the Bible has for each one of these points. There are many, 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 many other verses that are not covered here today that go over each one of these points. But the first point, we are all sinners. Ecclesiastes 7.20 says, For there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. A just man is somebody who is justified before God. And the doctrine of justification means it's just as if you never sinned. And God is saying here, there's not a just man upon the earth. There's nobody that can stand justified before God absent Christ's atonement for the sinner. The second verse here is Romans 3.10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. And righteousness is goodness. And God is saying there's no man upon the earth that's righteous because nobody does good all the time. It's impossible for us in the flesh not to sin. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Even little babies sin. It's, sometimes we, we, we don't understand that, but babies sin. And the reason is, is we're conceived in sin and we're born in iniquity. And even a little child, my granddaughter, she's eight months old. And she might get frustrated if she's not fed. And she'll, she'll get angry if she doesn't have food. Is an eight-month-old. And if you took two or three little boys and put them in a play area, maybe like the center of this room, and then you bought a really brand-new shiny toy and you put it in there, you see what those three boys are going to do to see who wrestles to get that toy. You know, we have that sin nature, and that's what God is saying. We need to be cleansed and be made renewed only through God's blood in order to go into heaven. The next point is, James 2.10 says, For whosoever shall keep the whole law, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. That really goes to say, the first and great commandment is to love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like unto it also, that we love our neighbor as ourselves. So this is the law. Do we keep all the Ten Commandments? And do we love our neighbor as ourselves? Of course, all of us don't do that. And this verse is saying if we keep the whole law and yet offend in one little point. You know, if, if you were doing a, a literature class way back when you were in high school and the teacher was very detail-oriented and if you had a question mark that should have been a period or vice versa, you would have made one little mistake on that paper. And God is saying if you make one little mistake... You cannot go to heaven. <coughs> Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We have all sinned. Every man from Adam on, because we have Adam's nature, we have all sinned. James 4.17 says, Therefore to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. 
When I was talking about this point this morning with the kids in the juniors class, I was saying, you know, there's many times you know that your parents need help and they don't necessarily tell you what to do. So you have chores, but maybe you want to play a video game instead. And this verse is saying, if you know to do good and do with it not, it's sin. And many times God lays on our hearts things to do for people and we might just say, well, that's not convenient. I don't have the time. I just don't want to do it today. We come up with excuses in our own mind. And God is saying, if you know to do good and you don't do it, that's sin. So we, now we know there's sins of commission, things that we commit that are wrong. But there's also sins of omission, where we don't do what we should do because God has laid it in our life path to do that thing. And we just say we don't want to do it. The second point. The punishment for our sin is death. All of us are getting old. We're all going to die one day. And the reason is because our body is infested with sin. Ezekiel 18.4 says, Behold, all souls are mine. As the soul of the Father, so also the soul of the Son is mine. The soul that sinneth, it shall die. And here we know we're all going to sin. We, we have all sinned. So God is saying in this verse, the soul that sins will die. We need to have a remedy for our sin or we will also die. And that soul that dies, that's a permanent death in the lake of fire. So there has to be something done on our course of our life. There, somebody has to jump into the middle of our course of our life and do something or the soul that sins will die in the lake of fire. John 3.18 says... He that believeth on him is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So this verse is saying, if you believe that Jesus is God, that he died on the cross for you, and that you have faith in his blood atonement, you are saved. But if you don't do anything, this verse says, he that believes not is condemned already. If you, if you want to go to hell, you don't have to do anything. Because the natural man is on the path to hell. You have to believe with faith in order to get off that path to hell and be on the path to heaven. The next verse, John 3.36, follows up on this, the same chapter from John 3. He that believeth on the Son has everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. My clothes are abiding on my body. So I'm kind of wrapped up in the warmth of my sweatshirt today because it's maybe just a little bit above freezing outside and it feels good to be abiding in warm clothes. This verse is saying, if you don't believe Jesus is, is Savior and Lord of your life, the wrath of God abides on you. And wrath is a very strong anger. And we don't want God's anger anywhere in our life. And we certainly don't want it abiding on us. And that's, a, that's an abiding on you that's morning, noon, and night. 24 hours, 7 days a week, every day of your life until you are born again. Until you're saved and come into the kingdom. Romans 5.12 says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, 
And so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. So the one man where sin entered into the world was Adam, way back in the, in the, in the Garden of Eden, where Satan tempted Eve, and she was, really, she was um, deceived. But Adam sinned on purpose. Eve offered him the fruit, and he, he purposely sinned. And he's responsible. God is saying, by one man, sin entered into the world. And what happened? Death by sin. Jesus said, in the day that you eat thereof, you will surely die. Now, Adam lived to be 900 years. And you say, well, he didn't die in one day. But remember, for Christ, a thousand years is as his day. So he did die in one day. But also, spiritually, he died that day. Because now he needed a Savior. Now he needed to have faith. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Every one of us, probably in this room at some point or another, have had a job. Or your husbands or your wives have had jobs. So there, there was a salary and there were wages that were involved. And we look forward to paydays. when you, you know, It's nice to, to earn money to be able to afford the things in life. So we earn wages for the things that we do. And this verse is saying sin has a wage too. When we sin, God is going to give us a wage for that sin. But it's not a wage that we want. Because God is saying the payment for your sin, the wage for your sin is death. But look at in this verse. Right away God gives a promise. He says, but the gift of God is eternal life to Jesus Christ our Lord. God never paints a totally bleak picture where you feel you're at a dead end and there's no hope. God is rich in mercy and for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in our sins, the wages of sin is death, God went to the cross to die for us. James 1.15 says, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. So we see all of these verses are dealing with sin, and when we sin, it leads to death. Lust when it has conceived. The, the temptation itself is not the sin, because all of us will be tempted. Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness after he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. The temptation isn't the sin. It's giving into the temptation. That's when it becomes lust. And it says, lust, when it's conceived, it brings forth sin. And we know the end of the road for sin is death. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. God doesn't leave us hanging there as sinners on the way to hell. He says, the next point is Christ died for sinners. Jesus put in place this plan of salvation, not when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden. He had the plan of salvation before the foundations of time, before he created the, the heavens and the earth. Jesus had already put in place the plan of salvation. Isaiah 53, 5 and 6 says, and this is speaking of Jesus, and by the way, the book of Isaiah was written 700 years before Christ. So this is a prophecy that Jesus had put in the book of Isaiah 700 years before he was even born in Bethlehem. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. 
and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, Jesus, the iniquity for us all. And if you read further in that, in that chapter 53 from Isaiah, it says, It pleased the Lord to bruise him. It pleased the Lord, Father, to put his son on the cross. And in Hebrew, the word bruise, it means crush. <coughs> Did you ever take maybe a Coca-Cola can, remember the, the tin ones that they had, and um, you finished it and it was you just crushed it on the sidewalk? That's what that word bruise in Hebrew means, to crush. It pleased the Lord to bruise, to crush his son. Why? Because Jesus, when he looked through the dispensation of time, it says Jesus went to the cross for the joy that was set before him. We are the joy of the Lord. Just like my grandchildren, my children and my grandchildren, they bring me great joy in my life. You as a Christian, as a child of God, as a joint heir with Christ, when you're adopted into the family, you bring joy to the Father. Praise God. Romans 5.8 says, But God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It would be hard for me to give up any one of my children for somebody who would come and spit on me. Or cast stones at me. It would be very difficult for me to give any one of my children in exchange for somebody like that. And yet Jesus died on the cross. He is the great exchange. His blood is the great exchange. And God did so love us that he gave his son for us. And that, that's a love that none of us here in the flesh we will ever understand. When we're in heaven... When we see, now we see through the glass darkly, but then face to face in all things we will, we will understand as we are understood. But God did commend, he did give his love toward us. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 1 Corinthians 15.3 says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. This is Paul talking to the church at Corinth, and he's saying, I'm giving you the gospel message, which I also received, that Jesus died for us. The death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that is the gospel message. And Paul was sharing that. It's for us also to share with our friends and, and family. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. This is a faithful saying. Faith, somebody who's faithful never leaves. A spouse who's faithful, they don't look at somebody else. And God is saying this verse is faithful. It will never change. The meaning of this verse will never change. And it says, and it's worthy of all acceptance from everybody. Anybody in the world that hears this, it's worthy of their acceptance. And what is it? Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And it says, for whom I am chief. Now Paul was saying, 
He was the chief of sinners. But each one of us in this room is the chief of sinners because, for example, Miss Alice, I don't stand at the, at, at the throne, the judgment throne, and give an account for you. I will give an account for me. And every one of us in this room, you don't give an account for your husband, your wife, your children, your, your parents, your grandparents. You're going to give an account for you. So when you read this verse, you become the chief sinner. And we need to be made right with God. Okay, the next point. Christ will save us if we call. Psalm 34, 4 says, I sought the Lord, and he heard me, and he delivered me from all my fears. There are many things in the flesh that we can be afraid of. Sounds in the dark, maybe worried about our health, financial problems. When we're young and starting out, am I ever going to be successful? Will I ever get a job? You know, if you're not married, will I ever find a wife or a husband? My daughter's at that point right now. She wants a husband really bad, a godly husband really bad. Okay, so, but God says, in the spirit world, I deliver you from all your fears. And there are many people, they have a fear of death. Because they don't know the Lord, and they really know in their mind and their heart intuitively that there is an afterlife. And when they go through that portal of time into eternity, they don't know what's beyond the door. And they have some fears. And God says, I will deliver you from all of your fears. Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and save us such as be of a contrite spirit. The Lord is nigh, that means he's close to them that have a broken heart. We can have a broken heart over many things. I remember, my dad died when I was two years old, so I don't remember when he passed. But I was 16 when my older brother, who was 19, passed. And I had a broken heart when he died. I remember on the day of his funeral, I was just sitting in the shower, and I was crying. I, I couldn't stop crying, and I was just, I was so happy the water was in my face. But I was sad. I had a broken heart. And people that, that go into eternity without the Lord, they're going to have that broken heart forever. But this verse says, the Lord is nigh, he's close to them that are of a broken heart. And saves such as have a contrite spirit. I was raised a Catholic, and one of the things that I learned that I was thinking about today when I was reading this verse, it says, we learned this in, in, in school. Act of contrition. Oh my God, oh listen to these words. Oh my God, I'm heartily sorry for having offended thee. I detest all my sins, and I firmly resolve with the help of your grace, God, to do penance and to amend my life. Those are, that's, that's an, that we call that the act of contrition. Do you have a contrite heart for your sins today? If you do, the Lord is nigh unto you. He's close to you, and he wants us to Give him that burden that we have. Cast your burdens on him. He cares for you. The next verse, Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of man brings a snare, but whoso puts his trust in the Lord shall be safe. In the world, there are many things that we can be afraid of. In the Middle East where there's ISIS, I can't imagine the fear that the Christians have in those communities knowing that if they're found out, they could be killed. That, that has to be a fear that's always in the back of their mind. And God says, the fear of man brings a snare. 
But more importantly, it says, if you put your trust in God, he will keep you safe. He can take away a lot of the worries on the, on, while we're walking in the flesh. But he will keep us safe into eternity, which is much more important. We're all going to die anyway. If we die in one year, five years, or 50 years, we all will die. So it's much more important to have your soul taken care of than your heart and your, and your body today. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and shall believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So here we see, this is a, a, a verbal witness. We confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus. In the time of, of Paul, when he's writing this, if you made a confession of faith in God Jesus and the Romans found out about it, you could be put to death. Because Caesar was considered the God at this time 2,000 years ago. So somebody who was confessing the Lord Jesus, they were stepping out in faith, and it could actually be a result of them dying. If they confess with your mouth Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Do you believe today that Jesus is God and that he raised from the dead on Easter Sunday morning? If you put your faith in Christ, then you will go to heaven too. Romans 10.13 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. A lot of times our children, they call, they call out to us. How many times have the parents in this room, when you had little children, and it's dark, and maybe your child had a bad dream, and they're, Mommy, Mommy, or Daddy, Daddy, they're afraid. And they just want mommy or daddy to come in and say, what's the matter? You know, will you lay down by me? You know, I'm afraid. Okay, God says here, if you call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. You don't need to fear your eternal destiny. Jesus will take care of you. He loves you. Okay, the next point is true salvation involves grace of repentance from God. Part of the salvation process is a repentance, and a repentance means to turn from your sins. Now, some people might say, well, repentance, that's on us. It's not. Repentance is part of saving grace. Repentance in itself, true repentance, is a grace from God. We cannot repent without God giving us the desire to repent. So it is a grace of God. And let's look. The, the, the scriptures have many, many, many verses that deal with grace. Charles Spurgeon has a sermon audio on the internet, and it's called um, Grace and Repentance Inseparable. You, they go together. It's like what comes first, you know, the chicken or the egg. It's kind of a crazy saying, but what comes first, repentance or, or, or the grace of God that brings salvation? We really can't tell from scriptures, but we know repentance is one of those very important issue, issues. Let's look at the first verse here. It says in Ezekiel 18.30, Repent and turn yourselves from all your transgressions, so iniquity shall not be your ruin. And it, it's consistent. Repentance in the Old Testament and the Old te in the New Testament, they're consistent. How did he get saved in the Old Testament? Moses was saved by grace. Abraham. 
by grace, by faith, by faith, by grace, for by grace are you saved through faith. Abraham was saved by faith. Moses was saved by faith in the New Testament. The, the apostles were saved by faith. Here in 2017, you're saved by faith. But the faith is a grace of God. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's a gift of God. So let's look at some of these repentance verses. Mark 1.15 says, And saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye, and believe the gospel. These were some of the first, verse, first words that Jesus spoke after he was baptized. He says, Repent ye, and believe the gospel. So they go together. Repentance and faith, inseparable. Luke 5.32 says, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The people that are saved, they still need to repent and get clean on a daily basis. And the people with a hardened heart, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they thought they were so righteous that they were going to heaven. Although Matthew 23 paints a different story. <laughs> they were hypocrites. But Jesus is saying to them, I'm calling the sinners to repent. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. You need to repent to be saved. It's part of the grace of faith. Luke 24, 47 says, And that repentance and remissions of sins should be preached in his name, in Jesus' name, among all the nations. Why do we send missionaries, to, like my son, to China or to India, we had our missions conference last Sunday. We had missionaries from different parts of the world. Why does God send his word out throughout the world? Because every person in every country needs to be saved. They don't have a special way to get into heaven in Africa or Europe. It's the same. It's the gospel. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. Acts 2.38 says, Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remissions of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Some people misapply this verse, and they say that Peter was saying you had to be baptized in order to be saved and have your sins washed away, the remission of sins. That's not what Peter's preaching here. If you remember the thief on the cross, there were two thieves and one did repent, they didn't take him off the cross and baptize in him. And he went to heaven. He said to Jesus, remember me when thou comest into the kingdom. And Jesus said to him, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. So, baptism doesn't save you, but baptism is a public showing to everybody that you believe Jesus washed away your sins through his blood. It's a profession publicly of your faith. And again, back in this day, if the Roman soldiers came and watched you get baptized, that could result in your death. So it was a very important thing at that time for a Christian to publicly be baptized. Let's look at the next verse here. Um, the next point is the time for salvation is now. Proverbs 27, 1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. When you think about boasting, in my mind, it's always the athletes that are on television. You know, the guy that scores the touchdown, look at me. Well, he needed the quarterback to throw the ball, right? That's what our pastor in Virginia, Northern Virginia used to always say. 
But so much of the world is wrapped up in pride. But we don't really know what's going to happen tomorrow. We can be in the, in the full strength and have an accident and become a paraplegic. We don't know what tomorrow holds. And God is saying here, in the spirit world, don't boast of, your, of tomorrow because you don't know what a, a day may, be, may bring forth. You might not have the Holy Spirit that brings that grace of salvation to you. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. But if he's already appeared to you 7, 8, 10, 20 times in your life, you have no assurance that he's going to come again and again and again. So God is saying today is the day. If you're not made right with God, today is the day to get right with God. Proverbs 29.1 says, He that being often reproved, hardened his neck, shall suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. There are many times people in life, they sin and they sin and they sin. And there's things and vehicles in their life that reprove them, but they push aside the godly counsel. And God says, He that hardens his neck to the word of God will suddenly be destroyed. And it says, without remedy. That means once you're destroyed, your body is dead, and your soul goes before God at judgment, and it's cast into the lake of fire. There is no remedy. There's no way to fix it and come back on the earth. You get one time. You have one passage through life, and that, then there's the judgment. And all of us will stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account, even for the idle words we speak. 2 Corinthians 6, 2 says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Don't put it off. Don't put it off. People want to put it off and put it off. Don't, don't procrastinate. This is the most important issue any of us will ever deal with. And the Bible does say for people that put it off, how will they escape if they neglect so great salvation? When you're putting it off, you're neglecting to do the duties that you should do today. You're procrastinating. And many times, in, you know that old saying, a stitch in time saves nine? Isn't that true? You just take care of the issue right now and it saves so much work down the road. The same thing with your salvation. Take care of that issue if you're not saved. Take care of it today. Okay, the next verse... Hebrews 3.15 says, While it is said, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts, as in the provocation. When Moses was leading the Israelite nation for 40 years in the desert, many, many times they would harden their hearts. And God would get angry at them. And he would send plagues to punish them. And many times, people would die. And... Sometimes he sent the people to hell. Remember Moses, I mean Aaron's sons, when they were offering up strange fire? God literally opened up the earth and they fell into hell. And then he closed the earth back up. And God is saying in this one, while it is said today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Do you know that each time a person who rejects the grace of God, they harden their heart a little bit. And the next time when the Lord brings that grace of salvation, their heart is already hardened a little bit, and then it's easier 
to harden your heart the second time and the third time and the fifth time. And at some point, that person who has hardened his heart, it's kind of like that old saying, you can't teach an dog, old dog new tricks, right? That person goes beyond the point where they can be saved. They have done the, the unpardonable sin, which is blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. And we don't know in our own daily walk when we might have crossed that unpardonable sin line. So just don't go there. If God is touching your mind and your heart today, just say, yes, Lord, yes, yes. What, what do you want me to do today? Just answer him and submit to his will. And then, by the way, because he's a God who loves his children, it's going to be much better for you. It's always going to be much, much better when we listen and honor God. The next verse, James 4.14 says, Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. I've shared this example with you before, but I grew up in northern Wisconsin. And at this time of the year, it's been a kind of a warm winter. My mom says it's kind of weird weather up there, but usually in January and February and March, it's cold. So when you come out of the house in the, in the morning, and you, you can go, and you breathe, and you can see your breath. And it, it's there for like a couple seconds, and then it's gone, right? Well, that's what this verse is saying. It says, what is your life? It, it's even a vapor that appears for a little time, and then it vanishes away. It's gone. And how many of us in this room, we can look back when we were young, and we remember, Miss Alice, you're 96. You, sorry? You had your birthday yesterday? And, and you can remember when you were 70 and 50 and 30 and... and 18. 18, yes. Do you remember when you were 18? When you, yes, we, we remember when we were 18. And doesn't it seem like yesterday sometimes? Life is a vapor. It appears for a little time and then it's gone. So we have this little short window of time to get right with God and then to serve God. And it's like a vapor. It goes so fast. When I tell my kids that, it's like, Dad. <laughs> you know, but the older you get, the more you realize life is a vapor. It's gone before you know it. Okay, the next verse, Romans 5.1. And these are the, the concluding thoughts for today's message. It's really about our faith. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, just as if we, we never sinned, justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want peace of God in your life? It's a peace that passes all understanding. <laughs> And it will keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And it only comes through faith. People that are in religious systems, that are works-based, they never know for sure if they've done enough good to outweigh their bad, that would God would accept them. And by the way, that's not God's standard at all anyway. It's totally completed on the cross, and it, the only acceptable way into heaven is in faith, faith of Jesus Christ. So the last verse we'll look at then is, so faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. So we've looked at a lot of scriptures today, and this is God's word. And your faith comes from God's word. And if you don't have faith today, read God's word. 
Submit to his will for your life. And you too can be saved. You can come into the kingdom. And it really is submission of your will to God's will for your life. It's, it's not doing it in your own strength, but doing it through the strength that God already accomplished because he's perfect. He's the second Adam. We're all walking in the flesh of our father, the first Adam, and we're in sin, and that's why we're all going to die. But Christ offers eternal life. He's the second Adam. He, because he's God, he never sinned. He fulfilled every jot and every tittle of the law. And if we have faith in Jesus, not ourselves, that's how we get to heaven. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. All right, let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for the Bible that we can look at it and we can draw so much truth and knowledge and grace from your word. And Lord, that um, as we go about this week, if somebody has issues that they need to get right with you, God, that today would be the day that they do that. And maybe it's not a salvation. I think most of the people in this room, Lord, we are, are already saved and on our way to heaven. And yet we... We wrestle with things in our life. Whatever the issue might be, Lord, that we take it and lay it before your throne. And we ask for your wisdom on how to deal with the things in our life. And Father, we know that you will take care of your children. And we love you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for going to the cross and for dying for our sins, for my sins. And that your Holy Spirit would lead us this week. That you might give us new opportunities to share the gospel message, the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus with somebody that needs to be born again. And we ask all this in your name, Jesus. Thank you, God. Amen.